0: on episode 85 of the Wrestling Change My Life podcast with Army head coach, Kevin Ward.
1: You know, I I look back at Coach Smith, um, you know, and his attitude was just never, ever satisfied, ever. And it was just this relentless pursuit of knowing that you can be better um, and always being measured by the expectations of the program, which are to be the very best. We can endure anything.
0: I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You
1: know, if I look back at my time, I good wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness.
0: Welcome back to Wrestling Changed My Life. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a great episode for you today, and it's with the Army head coach, Kevin Ward. Army is on a tear this year. They're 4-1. They beat Illinois. They won their own tournament, which Penn State was at. So there's a lot of momentum around the Army program, and I really enjoyed talking to Kevin about, one, what it was like wrestling for John Smith at Okie State, because Kevin was there when Oki State won four titles in a row. And then he built a program from scratch. He was the first head coach at Wachita Baptist, which is a D2 program that he built into a national contender in his time there. And so he's kind of known as the coach's coach, right? He knows how to build programs. He knows how to fundraise, and I really enjoy talking to him. Hope you do as well. Fan of the week goes to Vince Alber. Vince was a state champion wrestler from Dakota and is the cousin of Josh Alber, who was on the show last week. Thank you for tuning in, Vince. We appreciate it. Last but not least, this episode is brought to you by no sponsor today, folks. This one is brought to you by my extreme gratitude for all of you listening each and every week. The show has grown tremendously over the past five to six months, and I can't thank you enough for tuning in. It means the world to me. It really does. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for the pride of Saudi Daisy High School, Kevin Ward. All right, we're here with Coach Kevin Ward. Coach, how are you this morning?
1: Man, I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me.
0: It's my pleasure, man. You guys are off to a really hot start. Um, beat, uh, beat Illinois, where, you know my home state, which is a nice Big Ten win for you guys, and had a pretty sure. solid weekend at the Black Knight Open. You know, what do you guys attribute some of the early success to this year?
1: Well, I think um, you know, certainly it, some of it looks like um kind of an overnight success, but you know, in in our eyes it's anything but, you know, it's um I'm on my sixth season here and uh and, and we continue to work as hard now, you know, as it did when it started, but I think what we're, you know, starting to see is the results of just a a, a lot of years of hard work uh, from the coaching staff, from recruiting and coaching and I think most importantly, the guys on the team, we have an incredible group of seniors. We have 13 seniors on our roster, and these are guys that, um, you know, have, have stepped up, have chosen to believe um, that a certain level of success is possible here. They're putting in the work to back that up. And then obviously um, we've shown through competition that when it comes down to it and in, in competition, our guys can step up and they can perform and, and they can wrestle with, um, you know, pretty much anybody around the country. So um, it's, not an easy question to answer. What do we attribute it to? I I think it just goes, you know, back to um, years of hard work and belief and then being able to back that up, you know, through competition.
0: I love when people say something's an overnight success because obviously that's never the case Uh, in anything. I I refuse to believe that Um, even LeBron, like when he was 15, he had been playing for like 10, uh, you know, 10 years or so at that point. So you guys certainly believe that philosophy and have been putting in the work over the past six years to get to where you're at now. Yeah,
1: definitely, you know, and, and the honest truth is it goes back way beyond that. You know, these guys have been wrestling, most of them, since they're five or six years old, so they've been putting in, you know, um, 15 years of work to get to this point, and then you work hard enough, you know, for so many years, and all of a sudden you're an overnight success, but uh, there's no question, you know, it's the it's the years of work that add up to make it possible.
0: And the kind of guys you're dealing with, these are a different breed of humans out there in the best possible way these guys are ultra disciplined and have committed to going on to serve our country how is that kind of dynamic change things when you're out there recruiting um versus what what some of the other d1 programs are experiencing
1: yeah um, it's a really good question and and it is interesting you know what i've learned um, the answer to that is you know it doesn't change our recruiting all that much Uh, we have high standards in recruiting but we're looking for the same things every other program is looking for. You know, we are looking for guys that can win in high school, that want to be NCAA champions in college. I guess, you know, the thing that makes us more different is, you know, we're looking for guys that have a strong focus on having a life outside of the sport and and when the sport is done, you know, like these guys, they love wrestling while they're here. it's, It's just about the most important thing in their life. But I think, um, they understand that although they will always call themselves a wrestler, you can't wrestle forever. And, um, you know, they're, they have a focus on developing outside of the sport so they can have a really bright future when their wrestling career comes to an end. Um, you know, with that in mind, uh, w- winning is super important to us, and we want to win, and you can't win without people that are serious and, and committed to the sport of wrestling. So, it starts with that, uh, to be honest with you. We're not looking for guys that grew up just dreaming of being in the Army. We're looking for guys that want to win NCAA titles and want a future outside of the sport. And if, if when we find them, we share with them, here's what West Point's really about, here's what life here is like, here's what our program is about. And if we do that well enough, um, you know, then we can recruit well enough to compete.
0: And what is a day in their life like for these guys because I know you've been at the one of the top programs in the country Oklahoma State so you know what that's like but what's a day in their life like for one of your guys on the team now
1: Sure yeah I mean it's it's what I call the championship lifestyle and we get up in the morning and uh, we'll what have time? a morning workout or a lift typically that morning workout is either at 6:30 or 7 a.m. Um, depending our guys start class at 8:40 in the morning so whatever it takes us to get done with our workout in the mornings and have them fed and um, and ready to go to class we could start earlier it just doesn't make sense so 6 30 or 7 we'll work out drill wrestle lift whatever you know we're, mm-hmm. we're doing on that particular day in the morning our guys go to class uh, have lunch you know around noon and then they'll have maybe one or two more classes after that and we'll practice in the afternoons at, at 3 30 or, or 4 30 p.m after that it's you know, you have dinner, do your homework, and, and rest and repeat. So the differences are, you know, like from where I went to school at Oklahoma State, um, our guys, the academics are, are certainly very serious here. And the expectation of them for everybody that's around them, you know, is really high. So their, their instructors and their professors expect a lot from them. Um, their peers expect a lot from them. Mm-hmm. So they're held to a very high standard, you know, all day, every day. And that's what makes them different. It's not that, um, you know, it's not that other people, you know, maybe couldn't do it. It's just these guys have chosen to be in an environment where they're held to high standards. And it's just a testament to being able to do whatever is required of you. It, You know, anybody can do it. You just have to be willing to be able to hel- be held to that standard. The day-to-day life is... Um, you know, it's so like I said, it's work out in the morning, go to school, work out again, rest and repeat the championship lifestyle.
0: Man, and that that kind of framework has to just be a bonus for your guys because it eliminates a lot of distractions for them in terms of the uh, the everyday college life. So that that must be a, a real benefit for you as a coach, kind of looking at it that Brian, way. You,
1: you nailed it. It's um, You know, I think what intimidates a lot of people about West Point is – you know, the perception of the discipline and the structure that's here. And, um, but the reality of it is every high performing, high achieving individual operates under discipline and structure and we all need it. Mm -hmm. The intimidating thing is having someone else provide that for you. But what our guys learn is that through discipline and through structure, you're able to bring out the most in yourself because you don't have room for these other distractions that could pull you off course. I have to. So as a coach, it helps me know, I know when our guys leave the wrestling room, they're around really positive influences. I know they're around other people that want to do the right things. So my concerns about my guys, when they leave the wrestling room, you know, are maybe not the same as a lot of coaches around the country that have to worry what's going on outside of the wrestling room. I know what's going on with my guys.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have to do a shameless plug for this uh, this guy. I listened to Jocko Wilnick, his podcast. Uh, it's called the Jocko Podcast, but he has this saying, and he's a former Navy SEAL, that discipline equals freedom. And you kind of hit on that, where if you do the right thing, really your your choices become a lot simpler, and kind of the stress of weighing, should I go out, should I not go out, that's all eliminated when you do the right thing.
1: 100%. And and what I, what I tell people, we all figure that out at some point. Mm-hmm. you know what what West Point allows us to do is help our guys figure that out at a young age
0: man that is that's exciting to just think about all these guys that are just have this mindset that they're doing the right thing they're disciplined and you're around some incredible leaders I mean you're a great leader yourself but you got to think about the guys you're rubbing elbows with uh from a military standpoint these guys are cream of the crop to be able to teach there w- what have you picked up from some of your uh from some of your peers that are either teaching or coaching there
1: it's like all day, every day. And <laughs> it, it, you can learn something, you know, about leadership, about influence, about impact every single day that you're here, something new. And a lot of it is just from observing the other people that you're around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we learn what it really means to support somebody, to hold them accountable, what it means to be able to lead somebody. And you do that, you know, by will, being willing to go yourself. And so we will see, like yesterday, we had a tournament here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I look over in the stands and our superintendent is here. You know, He's a three-star general in the United States Army, a guy that's led wow. hundreds of thousands of soldiers, and he's taken time out of his day to come watch a wrestling tournament. And Why is he doing that? I think, one, he really appreciates a gladiator sport like wrestling. And another reason is he wants the cadets at West Point to see that he supports them. You know, what better example of leadership than somebody, you know, he's wearing three stars on his chest. He doesn't have to be at a wrestling tournament, but he shows up just to support the guys. Um, that's one example. And, uh, but like I said, you can learn something every single day here that makes you a better leader and a better coach.
0: Man, that is so cool that he's there. And to your point, if I think of the model sport for West Point, what better sport than wrestling? I mean, that is like the rawest form of, you know, hand-to-hand combat
1: it fits right (laughs) so around West Point we hear often about the the warrior ethos you know that we try to instill in everybody that's here what better example than the sport of wrestling
0: amen man and if we go way back to to Saudi Daisy Tennessee you know back to back to your roots man how did this all start for you did you come from a, a wrestling or a coaching family I
1: came from, I guess you could call it a wrestling family. Um, so my dad wrestled in high school, and uh, but, you know, I think he graduated high school on a Saturday, and then he went to work on Monday. You know, he didn't, he didn't go to college. He wrestled through high school um, and played football and then went to work and started raising a family. Um, but my older brother, so he's a year and a half older than me, uh, he started wrestling when I was five years old. So by default, I started wrestling as well. So I started when I was five and uh, have been in it ever since. So um, I, I don't have like this story of, man, I remember when, when I started wrestling. Just as far back as I can remember, I was going to wrestling practice, you know, with my older brother. So it's been part of my life since, um, you know, from a very young age.
0: And were your parents married? Were they divorced? Like Were they real hard on you or did they kind of let you do your own thing?
1: yeah uh, do do my own thing and i've uh, I've told this story um you know several times but um yeah um it came from you know a traditional family i guess the one you know obvious wrinkle in it is um my my mother passed away when I was in third grade um you know so i guess that was you know a shake up in our in our family dynamic but you know um even up to that point, you know two very supportive parents even you know to this day but um, I look back on it, and, and my dad was never hard on my brother or I in any of our sports. You know, we ran cross-country, played football, wrestling, um, several different things. But the one thing he was very, I mean, I remember to this day, very serious about was if you start something, you're going to finish. And, uh, and I remember those conversations, whether it was wrestling, or whether it was summer league baseball, um, hey, if you're going to start this, um, you're going to finish it. But as far as, like, being in the corner yelling at us, um, I mean, there was never any of that. It was always just do your best. If you start, you're going to finish. No excuses. And uh, and try your best.
0: And the rest will take care of itself. And, you know, when you think about Tennessee, it's grown a lot in wrestling over the, uh, the past 10 to 15 years in terms of just the numbers and, and some of the guys are putting out there. But did you always plan to go to... Oklahoma State, and if not, where were you looking at coming out of high school'cause that's a that's a power program uh to cut to obviously and to go right I, into.
1: I mean I look back on it now I was you know I just wanted to wrestle in college to be honest with you um I knew that and and you know so growing up, um I went to the J Robinson camp I went to a couple camps at the University of Iowa. Um, I went to camps around locally and I just knew that I wanted to wrestle. I, you know, I was watching the, the, the Brands brothers and the, you know, the, in college and, and the Olympics and, um, watching, you know, coach Smith, John, and, and, um, you know, Kell Sanders. I had the wrestling heroes that everybody my age had. Um, and I knew I wanted to wrestle in college. Now, I didn't know where. Um, you know, I, I, wanted to move away from home, so I, I didn't go to, to, UT Chattanooga just because I wanted to, to move away from home and have some experiences outside of that area. Um, but I was an under-recruited, um, you know, wrestler, not because I should have been recruited, uh, but just, you know, I'm saying that I wasn't recruited by a lot of schools. I just happened to have a pretty decent senior nationals tournament my senior year. And, um, and Oklahoma state gave me a call. I was still uncommitted, like, April of my senior year. And, um, and so when Oklahoma State called, I would taken a few visits before then, but as soon as I visited, I was like, oh, wow, this is big-time wrestling. This is everything I've dreamed of as far as a place that's really serious about wrestling where everybody is very serious about it and committed. And it just felt like a good fit for me. I- I'd always wanted that um, that experience of being around a group of people that were as committed as I was.
0: And, man, you talk about time to get to Oklahoma State when people are serious about it. You were, it looks like, a part of the four championship teams. Let me know if I'm wrong there.
1: No, that's right on. So my first year there when I was redshirting, we had finished something like um, seventh, I think it was, at the NCAA tournament. And then the next four years, uh, we were the the team to beat and and ran off four national titles in a row. Yeah, the next four years.
0: And that was right. So I grew up in western Illinois, an hour from University of Iowa. So i a huge Hawkeye fan. Uh, growing up. But right when I was in kind of like, yeah, early high school and really started to pay attention to the D1 scene, Oklahoma State was winning. And of course, I had the John Smith shoes and I just was obsessed with John Smith. And so those programs are just lights out. You had Pendleton, Hendricks. And then of course, when Mark Perry and Hendricks wrestled, I thought that was unbelievable. So you were a part of all that. I mean, it's again really uh really tough to say, but is there any story or lesson that you think back to where you say, I mean that was pretty significant for me, um whether it was a match or whether it was a, a story with Coach Smith or anything like that that really sticks with you to this day?
1: Man, I I, I think that's a a fantastic question. Um, the honest answer is there, there are so many things. Um, but if I had to put my finger on one thing, I would say what what you really learned there you have the obvious piece of world-class technique and being able to be taught in the sport technically by one of the best minds and, and the best technicians to ever compete. Um, so that's an obvious, you know, kind of advantage is you get, you learn the sport at a technical level as well as you could anywhere in the world. Um, but even bigger than that, I think in hindsight looking back, what I really learned is Just the amount of work um, and um, and expectation, the amount of commitment that it takes to to sustain a program at that level. You know, I I look back at Coach Smith, um, you know, and his attitude was just never, ever satisfied, ever. And it was just this relentless pursuit of knowing that you can be better um, and always being measured by the expectations of the program which are to be the very best. So that sounds maybe like it's easy to do, but in reality that's really hard work to keep that standard and to never lower it no matter what. Uh, I think being a part of those teams and seeing how much we were challenged day in and day out. you know, We were the best team in the country for four years, but there wasn't a day that went by that we weren't challenged on that whether it was from competition with our opponents or whether it was in the wrestling room, you know, with our our teammates and the coaching staff, just the amount of work to keep that expectation as high as it is, I think is something that has really helped me, you know, in, in my coaching career understand how much work it takes to have a good program.
0: And was the expectation on the outcome of the match or the things you're putting into it day Both. in and day out? Both. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely.
1: Winning is important, you know, um, and it, sometimes you would feel like it's, it is the most important thing. Now, in hindsight, you realize that maybe winning isn't the most important thing in the world, but, um, there, I mean, make no mistake, there's a, a ton of pressure to win in a program like that. Winning is important. Being second is is unacceptable. So, um, yeah, the expectation and the pressure to, to win, that was there. And then you try to balance it out, of course, with understanding that um, – you know, if you focus on putting in the work, you know that's going to allow you to be successful in the end. But um, the answer to your question is both. There's there's a, a high level of pressure or expectation. You can call it pressure if you want. It's just an expectation to put in the work to allow yourself to be the very best.
0: Well, and especially when you've already won two, and the amount of three-time team champs in a row, let alone four, is so rare. I mean, at that's to me when it's really fascinating to look at a dynasty like the Bulls um, or the Lakers where Phil Jackson was a part of both of those. But when you start winning consecutively like that and you have to find new ways to motivate you and get, get yourself going because you've already won, that's when it's really fascinating to me. And, and you saw that firsthand. So I mean, what a, what a lesson in coaching you had during your time there. So I mean, not to mention your time as a competitor.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's one of those things that um, I don't. I can only speak for myself. but I didn't recognize, and I certainly didn't appreciate it at the time as much as I do now. You know, um, maybe a mature, more mature outlook, certainly more experience. You know, now as, as being a head coach for um, the past decade um, of, you know, now I really appreciate the things that didn't. I didn't even know I was learning at the time. Uh, but now I realize what I learned and, and certainly have a new appreciation for it.
0: I mean, I can only imagine it's it's kind of like that saying, you know, when you have a kid, you finally start to think back to all the things you're grateful your parents did for you because you don't really realize it until you have a kid. And so when you're the head coach of a D1 program, I'm sure there's some parallels there.
1: Yeah, and I tell you what, man, it's so funny. Um, when I first started coaching, so, I, you know, I was a grad assistant, which at Oklahoma State you means you, you pretty much wrestle every day. You know, I wasn't involved in the office. I wasn't doing, um, like intern type work. You know, I was, I was taking the graduate school classes and wrestling. Um, but, um, you know, so my first real head coach, my first real coaching job outside of that I was a head coach and, uh, at, at Washtop Baptist. And I would find myself at times, I would say some things, I'd be like, it sounds just like John, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> uh, or I'd be like, what would John say in this situation? You know? And so, even though I didn't realize it when I was going through it, how much I was going to rely on those experiences to kind of help shape my coaching career. Um, that's really funny. Cause you know, you hear kids say like, w- once you start having kids, you open your mouth and, and your dad speaks, you know, <laughs> like, man, I'm saying just what my dad said. I did the same thing in my coaching. I was like, I would say something, man, that, that sounded just like John Smith. <laughs> you know, too funny.
0: So when did you decide you wanted to be a coach? Because, you know, going into your last year or two, are you thinking, Hey, time to get a job or did you know the whole time you wanted to be a coach
1: i didn't know i didn't know either (laughs) oh man i was so lucky the way that it worked out um i had always thought growing up uh that wrestling was going to be my future Uh, but by the time i finished up you know my fifth year i was thinking you know wrestling's really been the driving force of every decision i've ever made in my life really revolved around my goals in wrestling like down to you know like what I would or wouldn 't do in my free time, um, you know the discipline there, where I went to school um, every every major decision I had made up until that point when I was twenty three years old had been driven by the sport of wrestling, so I kind of thought I want to take a step back and try some other things, um, and I did for a few years worked a couple of different jobs uh, before ultimately I decided that you know what wrestling is more than a sport to me, um, I missed um, really, I missed the daily pursuit of a goal more than anything else, you know, going to work in an office, although there were goals that day, it wasn't the same. I couldn't feel the daily progress and, mm-hmm. and work towards a goal. So I would say once I stepped away from the sport, when I was, you know, 24 to 27 years old, really reignited my passion for it and helped me understand that to me personally, Wrestling wasn't just a sport, you know. It was something that gave me um, a little bit more meaning, or allowed me, you know, to feel a little bit more alive. The more I was involved in it.
0: So you you didn't. So you coached. Um, you were a GA, and then you went away from it totally and weren't involved at in any program, and then went back to be a head coach. I didn't realize that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I'm so lucky. It's like. Not many people can step away and then get back involved in the sport, especially as a head coach. Um, And I did, you know, at the the NCAA Division II level. Um, My first real job in wrestling was the head coach at Washita Baptist. And it was, you know, a program that probably nobody else wanted that job, to be honest with you. Um, It was a a program that didn't exist yet. It was going to be the first year of the program. I mean, there was – there was nothing at Ouachita, um except, you know, that the announcement that wrestling was going to start, and uh, so I was, you know, I was the first-ever coach of the program, and, and um, for me, I was just so desperate to get a wrestling coaching job at that time, and uh, the timing of my life, I wasn't married yet, you know, there wasn't a lot of strings, I could just pick up and move, and, and so I was really lucky the way that it worked out. Man,
0: it's just crazy to me, and I... I was gonna ask you what the conversation was like with the, uh with your wife because it's like hey I haven't been involved with wrestling for a couple of years maybe she's thinking, you know that's that's a, a chapter that's closed and then here you come on as a head coach but you were single at that time okay
1: well yeah um you know my my wife we've been married for almost ten years now we were dating then and uh, and I still remember the conversation it was I really wanted to take the job but I knew that Hannah and I were serious and that you know her opinion was gonna have have an influence on my decision, and I remember, and I was like, hey, I got to talk to you about something, and she got, like, really scared, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they were, like, nervous, <laughs> not knowing what to expect, and I said, I, I really am considering this job, and without hesitation, she said, you should take it, um, and so that made my mind up for me, you know, right then. When she said that, I just, I was, okay, I'm going to do it. So, yeah, we weren't married at the time. Uh, we knew we were serious, you know. No one, you know, I guess could have predicted where we would be today, but um, when she said, yeah, you should definitely do it, um, that helped the decision, uh, made it a lot easier for me.
0: No question. And then you you get to this program, which, by the way, this school needs to seriously consider a, a respelling of the name. I can't believe that you pronounce Washita out of, uh, out of what I'm looking at here on my note card. What's, what's the meaning behind that real quick? So, I yeah, know. that's
1: really interesting. Man, I haven't told this story in like six years uh, since I've been there, uh, but it is a it's a – if I understand right, if I remember correctly, it's the French spelling of an Indian name. Um, so that's why, you know, it, it. I tell people, don't even try to look at the word; just say Washita. Um, but um, yeah, but it's it's a, a a small school in southwestern Arkansas in a small town. Um, but um, yeah, man, it was. Um, you know, I knew they were starting wrestling. Uh, and uh, I got a phone call saying they were looking for a coach and ended up working out. So, you know, nobody would have thought when I was leaving Oklahoma State I'd end up coaching at Ouachita Baptist. Um, <laughs> but as fate would have it it, it, it worked out really well for me.
0: And it seems like there's a little movement of wrestling going on in Arkansas right now. Isn't there a D1 program, uh, Little Rock? Is that this year or next year they're going live?
1: No, they're wrestling right now. They've already wrestled a tournament, yeah, and they got a dual meet coming up. Um but yeah, University of Arkansas, Little Rock. Is a division one program there so yeah I was it was interesting I was kind of on the leading edge of the college wrestling growth um, in Arkansas with uh, with that division two program and glad to see that it's taken off in the in the state even more
0: that's unreal I had no idea that they had um, had that many programs let alone any to be honest with you until I heard that the Little Rock program coming around this year or last year i think i first heard of it but
1: yeah i know i know it's um but it's exciting for us in the wrestling world to see that because you would think you know arkansas it doesn't you know resonate wrestling to you um but you know if you look where it's at i mean you're right next to oklahoma missouri kansas and and wrestling is growing in the south and tennessee and georgia so um, it does make sense. I, uh, I'm good friends with the coaching staff there at Little Rock. I think they're going to crush it. They're really good guys that work really hard. So we're excited for them. But um, man, it was, yeah, those first days starting that program. Um, so let's. That was, um, yeah, th- that was an interesting time.
0: Let's get into that. So, you know, anytime you take a new job, it's, you know, you're really excited. It's, you're shaking hands, taking pictures. And then day one, you get to your office and you're all alone. Did you ever have any hesitations or any doubts that man this might have been a maybe this wasn't for me or that maybe this was a mistake i mean what take us to uh some of those moments where you had some self-reflection like that when you first got there <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, how much time do you have let me tell you this is uh so i i accepted the job and uh and and then i show up oh two weeks later something like that you know i was finishing up my um the current position i had at, at a job in oklahoma city so i gave them two weeks notice and then um, and then I picked up and moved to, to Arkansas. So they had two weeks to get ready for me. To, they knew I was coming. Um, but I show up. The day I show up, they start cleaning out my quote unquote office. And, uh, and it is full of like old VHS tapes of basketball games. And it was like a storage room. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, OK, well, they knew t- for two weeks I was coming. Um, and they just started cleaning out the storage room today to make it my office. But if that gives you an idea, I mean, I knew right then, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm up for some challenges here. I mean, my office really for the first month or so I was there was like the campus Starbucks. Um, and that was legit my office. It's where I worked out of. And, uh, that was just indicative of the challenges I was going to face. Um, did I ever question it? Yes, I did. I never questioned whether I could do it, um, you know, to be just candid with you, I got extremely frustrated there at the beginning of, um, well, why didn't you tell me this kind of deal? You know, that's not what you told me a month ago. You're telling me something different now. Um, and I was really close to uh, to maybe changing my mind there. Just in hindsight, I'm so glad that I didn't. I'm so glad I stuck it out. Um, I was probably an absolute pain in the butt, you know, as a new employee, because I'm coming in with all this fire and uh, just full of piss and vinegar, you know, ready to to conquer the world. Um, And, you know, and I didn't get to know the culture of the campus and the community um, before I, you know, was ready to just like a wrecking ball, just get going. Um, So, yeah, it was interesting, and um, I did question whether it was the right decision at times. Fortunately, uh, I stuck with it, and I had some really supportive people around me. That helped me stick with it. I guess the most important part of it was I was lucky enough to have an awesome group of guys on the team that, like, they made the job. You know, the guys I coached every day uh, were by far and away the best part of the job. So once they got on campus, um, it got a lot easier to um, to enjoy the challenges a little bit more.
0: I was going to say, did you start in fo- at the fall time and you had a team, or you started in the spring and got to recruit?
1: I started April 1st, 2010 okay. was my first day. We competed in November 2010. So, <laughs> yeah, do the math. Wow. You know, six months later, we're wrestling. So I, when I started, they gave me a list from admissions. Hey, here is all these kids that have called the admissions office or have applied and mentioned the word wrestling. Here's your list. Go. And I'm like, uh, what do I do with this? Recruit them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we want them here, go recruit them. And so, you know, I was making recruiting phone calls for the first time in my life and, uh, and recruiting kids to come wrestle there. Um, you know, I mean, there were a couple of weeks I didn't even go to campus. I just had a car and I was driving around the state of Oklahoma, sitting in living rooms or meeting in restaurants and, and talking about the program that we wanted to build. Um, and, uh We had a team, you know, that first year we had, I think, 21 guys on the team right out of the
0: gate. Man, those are some lonely, uh, lonely car rides, you know, on like a Monday afternoon. You just come out of a lunch, doesn't go your way. And the only reason I'm saying that is because I'm in outside sales. And so I can I can kind of put myself there mentally where you're at. You know, it's like that's exactly I mean, that's the job.
1: You're you're in sales. Um, You know, I'm selling a different product, but that's exactly right.
0: But it's like some days it goes so well, and then other days it's like, man, what the heck just happened there? And But, you know, the, the thing about your position that's interesting is that you had no one to really go to who had done it before. It's not like when you were a GA at Oklahoma State, you were on the recruiting road with Coach Smith. It sounds like you were just wrestling, so you really didn't have a lot to base that on. That's that's pretty incredible that you guys just had the success you did, and you, you were coach of the year um, at the D2 level, I mean, before you know it, you know, it's like unbelievable.
1: Well, you know, when you look back, it's true that I didn't have the experiences, um, on staff at, at Oklahoma state, but what I did have is a really good group of, of friends and mentors that I could call. Um, what should I do here? You know, and, and, uh, and just sounding boards, you know, of people that, you know, a couple of my friends are, are, I would consider them friends or mentors or some of the best salesmen, you know, that I've ever met. Um, and just bouncing ideas off of them, you know, it helped me and, and I certainly grew a lot, you know, professionally just trying to figure that out. But let me tell you, you know, the, the long days in the recruiting and some days are great. And some days you're scratching your head that hasn't changed. You know, it's, it's the same <laughs> way now as it was 10 years ago. We still have those days.
0: Well, it's cause, I mean, when you got to army, they, um, you know they hadn't beaten Navy, and I can't remember the streak. I read it this morning, but a, quite a long time. And you were kind of starting from not from scratch, but also rebuilding a program. Um, you know, talk to us a little bit just before we let you go here. But talk to us a little bit about the CEO type of the type of the job. So not the not the four hours a day that you're that you're um, coaching or that you're recruiting, you know, however much time that is. Like, what about the fundraising and the administration stuff? I mean, how much goes on behind the scenes that the fans really just don't see?
1: Um, it's amazing, you know, how many times, especially at Washita, you know, I was asked, so do you teach? Um, do you teach any classes? Or, nope, just, oh, that's all you do. You just you just coach, huh? You know, and, <laughs> and I still maybe get asked that today. And I'd say, you know what, believe it or not, it, it's a full-time job. Um, so... I mean, there's a lot that goes on if you want to say behind the scenes. Um, you know, whether you call it a CEO coach or not, um, it's just the bottom line is the program is a lot bigger than just running practice in the mornings or the afternoons. And, um, you know, as the head coach, you cast a shadow on the program, um, that kind of helps shape the behaviors that are in here. So you have to always be aware of that. And, um, for me personally, it's um, you know, there's not a day that goes by that's not on my mind almost 24 hours a day. Yeah. And you know, maybe I try to turn it off when I get home and see the wife and kids, but I'm constantly thinking about my job for a couple of reasons. I love it, and uh, and I enjoy thinking about it, and I owe it to the guys on the team to constantly be thinking about how we can get better. Um, but yeah, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. The most important thing, uh, without a doubt, are our relationships with the student athlete. So, putting that above and beyond everything else, I think, is super important. I tell younger coaches or my assistant coaches, um, you know, all the listen, you're not going to get fired um, if you fill out some paperwork the wrong way. Like, you're going to get fired if you fail as a leader, um, you're going to get fired if you make terrible decisions. Um, So don't let the work get in the way of what is really the job. Mm. And the job is to help motivate and train and inspire and equip these young guys to be able to achieve their goals. That's the most important thing. Other things around the program, the fundraising, super important. Relationship with your administration, extremely important. Almost maybe as important as your relationship with your athletes. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we are here to, like I said, train and, and, and motivate and inspire these guys to achieve their goals. So I just try to operate under the lens, you know, of having, you know, their best outcomes in mind at all
0: times. Yeah, that makes sense because, you know, it's easy to get distracted with something as like, minute as zeroing out your inbox or, or whatever right but like to your point the main thing is the relationship with the athletes and if you do that kind of the rest will take care of itself versus getting caught up in the in the day-to-day
1: that's it you know it's like um my job isn't to be a professional administrator my job is to be a head wrestling coach and if that means I'm looking at my inbox right now that says I have 102 unread emails which it does right now um it means that I'm gonna not return some of them that's the bottom line But I'm not going through to to try to be the best administrator at the expense of being the best coach.
0: Right. And coach, as we as we wind down here, I haven't done this in about probably 50 episodes or so. But I do have three rapid fire questions that are more quick hitting just because I couldn't find a way to fit them in here. So the first one is, how does a college coach decide which open tournaments to go to?
1: I try to do as few of them as possible. I think the open tournament is one of the worst things in college sports, definitely in college wrestling. So I try to pick and choose as few of them as I can put on my schedule.
0: So do you put like the Southern Scuffle in that group or is that a different type of tournament for you?
1: Well, technically it's an open because yeah. um, you see unattached guys and red shirts in it. So,
0: um,
1: you know, that's I would say that's probably a little bit different, though, because it's a well-marketed, you know, kind of high-profile event. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I try to get the most bang for the buck. I'm not talking dollars here. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about let's get the most quality, best matches that we can get in the most efficient way possible. Open tournaments where anybody can enter and the brackets may be – 40 people, um, you end up having to forfeit some matches because, you know, people are getting hurt or you've reached your match limit. Um, you know, there's absolutely no atmosphere to it at all um you know it's just for me i, I think they're silly they uh, i don't think they help grow our sport in any way so i try to do as few as, of the true open tournaments as possible they're
0: depressing to be at even for someone who loves wrestling i go there and a couple hours in you're like what the heck is this you know the the energy or the atmosphere you nailed it right there um second question is how big to it so, so i'm an outsider so i don't know this but how freaking big is the Army Navy rivalry when you're at one of those two institutions?
1: You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's um, it's it, it's incredible and it and it's exciting. Um, so what it is, it's think about it's an institutional rivalry. It's not, you know, football versus football. It's not wrestling versus wrestling. It's one place versus another. Mm-hmm. You know, like um. You being from Illinois, think about, you know, Illinois versus Oklahoma State in Mm -hmm. wrestling. Um, That's two teams versus one another. Anything that the academies do, it's two entire schools versus the other. At whatever sport, no matter what they're ranked, um, and, you know, I've learned that it's just something you have to embrace. That um, at first glance, that may seem, you know – odd to some people to put so much emphasis on one single competition Uh, but the reality of it is it means a lot to a lot of people so we have to embrace it and uh, I think that we're fortunate to be part of a rivalry that people actually care about not many wrestling programs get to say that that year in and year out they're going to wrestle in a match that a lot of people truly care about so um so that's a fun thing for us to be able to be a part of
0: yeah totally it's like you know I was you know the Iowa Oklahoma State was always big but to your point the Army Navy is just, it's huge. And I, I got to think that you might get more credit for beating Navy than you would if you won like the EIWAs or something like that. It's that big.
1: In some people's eyes, probably um, that's certainly true. And, uh, you know, for me personally, it, it's, you know, we're, we, we want to set our, our sights on championships. But when that week rolls around, when that's our opponent that weekend, um, it's extremely important to us. And then, you know, it's, it's turnaround and let's focus on the postseason.
0: Exactly. And coach, the last one for you, and we always ask uh, every guest we have this question, but how did wrestling change your life or what life lessons do you still operate with today that you got from your days uh, back in the singlet, back on the mat?
1: So I'm fortunate that I get to make a living in the sport of wrestling. So, yeah. um, you know, I think it's, it, it's what, um, you know, I said earlier is that I'm going to always consider myself a wrestler. Um, I can't wrestle anymore, Um, certainly not like I used to, but I'm going to always be a wrestler. I don't think, uh, since I started at such a young age, I don't think wrestling, um, I wouldn't say it changed my life. I would say it shaped my life. And, um, you know, the people that I've been around through the sport are really what's shaped my life. So what wrestling did for me was put me around some really incredible role models, some mentors and positive influences in my life. You know, that taught me um, the true lessons that are worth learning, you know, about hard work, humility, about how to win, you know, with with grace and about how to lose um, without excuses. Uh, I, I just it's hard for me to separate my life without wrestling and my life with it because it's I look at it, it's always been a part. So I'd say it's just it's shaped my life and my attitude and then, you know, in return has helped me do the same thing for a lot of other people. I think, um, I mean, there's no question IO wrestling, you know, an entire debt of gratitude for what uh, what I've learned through the sport.
0: And to your point, you think about the people you got to bump elbows with. I mean, what other sport could you go and, you know, spend five years with a six-time world champion like you got to or be able to hang out with, a, maybe not hang out, but work with a three-star general? I mean, it's just incredible that that all came from, a sport and a lot of people miss that when they think about it um, just in terms of the the pure competition standpoint
1: i think that's that's what i was missing when i stepped away from the sport you know is i saw it as you know competition and an athletic endeavor when i stepped away i realized how much it really did mean you know to not just compete but um you know the way that it affected uh what i was doing day to day how much the sport really meant to me um in so many ways so yeah, there's no question, I think, that the people that wrestling has given me access to, if you want to say it that way, has been you know the most beneficial thing that it's done for
0: me. Well, as you said, I mean, someone like you with your coaching pedigree, I know you're doing that for your guys. So, Coach, really appreciate you taking some time for us. You have uh, some fans here in Illinois, man. I love following the program and uh, honored to have you on. Wish you the best of luck this year, and thank you again, sir.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much.
0: And all great things must come to an end. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, give us a review, give us a rating, and share this with your friends. It would mean the world to us. Thanks for listening to Wrestling Changed My Life.